Welcome to the Troy Kearns Podcast. We talk all things real estate, business, and entrepreneurship. Today, I've got a very special friend and one of the guys who presented at our event, Basco Corcus. He has an interesting story, and I want to let you tell it. Tell us where you're from. Tell us what brought you here like to the United States. I know that's where I want to start. Awesome. So I'm from Syria. I'm Aramaic, so we were like the first people who converted to Christianity back 2,000 years ago. So it was a minority in a country that um, didn't have many opportunities. So my father left when I was about, you know, I was just born. Right. And he went to America, spent three years getting himself situated. And then when I was three, my mom, myself, and my sister came to uh, New Jersey. And I grew up in this area, Prospect Park, Patterson, New Jersey, which is like a Middle Eastern ghetto. And uh, that's where I, my childhood was. So you grew up in New Jersey. When did you leave New Jersey? I was about 11. Okay. And then I moved to Florida, okay. where I've basically lived since. And now I call home. I love it. I live in the Tampa Bay area. Right. It's just beautiful. That's awesome. And what got you fascinated? So you're kind of living the American dream. Because, I mean, and probably because you came from something else, right? Like a lot of people who are here, they don't see what the opportunities are. But you came from a place where... Christians are persecuted and where it's very violent. A lot of people leave there, right? Yeah. It's, you know, a lot of times when you're growing up and you're going through hardship, it's, uh, you go through this why. Right. This why. And you can, when you grow past that point and you've gotten to a sense of freedom and you can then see, okay, I've gotten through such a difficult thing. Right. That's actually motivational to be able to continue moving. Right. And so it's, it becomes those things that held you back. Once you able to get to, say, a normal state where you're kind of where everybody else is. Right. That was the hardest part. Mm-hmm. You know, as, what did they say? The first, hard, the first million is the hardest million. Right. After that, it gets easier. So when you're coming from like a negative and, you know, low income neighborhood, rough, and you're moving to a middle class neighborhood, you're like, Wow. It's actually easier now to move from middle to upper right? because you're just used to scrounging. And it's like your story. Yeah. You know, you came up with nothing. So it's easy for you to hustle and keep growing and keep going and keep going when everyone else can just get lazy or sedentary. Yeah, I think work ethic is probably I, – I see your stuff and you're always – and I, I, I took a <laughs> – we have a lot of common commonalities that we don't even know about. Like I'm watching, I'm like – you 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 start with the end in mind with everything that you do you pay for the cost up front and you know that the returns are going to be good if you do that like i was looking at you putting your ethernet cables in and you're putting your usb i think i'm i thought i was the only one that did usb usb c ports in there because like you said you're providing value and you're it might be a 15 dollar um plug but it's going to save you a lot of headaches or it's going to help somebody else and it's just a nice upsell Tell me like about what you invest in and because I know that you just spoke, but a lot of people who are listening to this right now may not have heard that speech. Mm-hmm. So my investment model is buying downtown core, secondary and tertiary markets. And we buy multifamily properties. We buy um, restaurants. We buy medical offices. We buy everything because the building is not what we're buying. The reality is we're buying the dirt. Right. It's a, in my mind, it's a covered land play. Right. Where eventually one day I can uh, bulldoze the building and put something else 
better there. I can always convert the property to something else. Maybe I won't bulldoze the building, but I'll do a full gut reno and I'll change the, the use of the building. The, the location is, is most important. Right. And it's, once you are in the business long enough, you understand location, location, location. Right. That's where wealth is. When you say tertiary, for people who don't know what that word means, can you break that down for them? Yeah. So let's say you're in a major metro. Right. And the primary city, um, let's say we're in Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. So we're not buying in Austin, downtown Austin. It could be very expensive. During economic cycles, the ups and downs are more violent. Yeah. You feel them more. You're buying in the one hour surrounding right. okay. an- another city that is a major metro, but it's smaller than Austin, Right. but it's close. It's an hour drive. Right. And you're buying in that downtown. And that's where everybody, when they want to leave Austin and kind of just get a little bit more space and you want to have kids and raise your kids, right. you leave Austin, you go to this another major city and you're in that downtown and you get, you hang out there on the weekends. And Would you, you get call that it the suburbs? Out. You can call it, I don't call it the suburbs because I live in the suburbs okay. in Tampa, uh-huh. which is north. Uh, Wesley Chapel? It's uh, it's about 45 minutes from Wesley Chapel. Okay. So that's a suburb. I, I'm investing in the downtown core of, say, Tarpon. I live in Tarpon Springs, okay. which is North Pinellas. But there's a downtown core of Tarpon Springs. Right. So I don't live in the suburbs of Tarpon. I live in the suburbs of Tarpon, but I don't invest there. I buy in the downtown core, where that I believe that's the best upside. Right. And you can get the highest rents for Airbnbs and your short-term and long-term rentals. You have the downtown market, so you can redevelop the building. There's all these opportunities for you to do more than just a single family home. Because with a single family home, the value of the property is attached to the tenant's income. Because with the tenant's income going up, rents can go up. But if you have, you're in a downtown core, you can repurpose that building into a real estate office, into a, a lawyer's office, a medical office, into Airbnb, short-term rentals. If you're in the suburbs, you're probably in a deed-restricted community and you can't do short-term rentals. Right. So you're very limited on what you could do with your dirt. I don't like being limited. No, and, me either. And that's why I like my financial freedom. So I don't want to be limited on my, my assets. I don't want to be limited on my decisions. And that's how I kind of grew into this uh, business model. So I wanted to interrupt you in this podcast and just take a quick moment to tell you two things. Number one, we do this for free for you. I haven't made a nickel on social media at all. I'm doing this to provide you enough value. So all I'm asking for you to do is share it and give us a five-star review. It'll totally help us out and I really appreciate it. The other thing, if you want more free resources like our free Facebook group, it's Millionaire Mentorship Real Estate Investing, on Facebook, all you got to do is join it. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. And there's lots of resources there. And we'll definitely give you those for free. No charge. Here's the other thing. If you're serious about investing in real estate and you're ready to take action, I have a program. No matter where you're at in your real estate journey, I can help you out. I don't care if you've got five houses, 10 houses, no houses, 100 houses. I've got something that I can share with you that's going to make you a lot of money. 
And if you want to become financially free and you're brand new to real estate investing, this is the absolute thing you want to do. And here's the thing, what I've learned from most of my students right now is that it's not just an investing program, it's a mindset program. We're going to change the way you think about money. If you want to start investing, make sure you schedule a call with me and my team and let's get the ball rolling. Guess what else? If you are like, man, I don't got the time and I make tons of money, I just enjoy listening to what you're gonna say, that's cool too. We actually have set up a fund where you can invest with us, but you gotta be an accredited investor. If you wanna find out what that looks like, all you gotta do is click the link in my bio, fill out the form, it takes you about two seconds, and then we'll let you know about the deals that we're doing. We're doing big deals in Kansas City. And this year, I think we'll do two huge deals in Kansas City. I'm looking at a few right now and I want you to be a part of it. And if you've got more money than time, then that's what you should do. If you've got more time than money, then schedule a call with me and my team and we'll get you into our coaching program so that you can have more money than time. What's your biggest dream? Like what would be the biggest thing that you would say like, man, if I could do this, I just did everything that I wanted. I really want to be able to help a lot of people with their financial freedom. Okay. So to be able to bring that education and an opportunity. So not so much teaching people courses. Right. But like, so one of the things I'm working on now is an app, which is a FinTech app, which is all in one. It does everything and it educates you and it explains to you what you're doing and how you can make decisions to improve your decision making right. to increase your probability to have financial freedom. And I believe if people have their financial freedom, they'll stop making um, decisions that aren't beneficial to them. Right. So they're constantly making worse and more and more worse decisions right. to get deeper and deeper into the hole that it's hard to get out. And if there's something to tell them or guide them, it, that would that'd be helpful. So being able to provide that for a lot of people, that'd be uh, one one of my major goals. That's what one of my, my BHAG. What would be your selfish dream? Selfish dream. Um, have like a billion dollar car collection. <laughs> Just cars. Just cars. Just okay, cars. so let's get into that. What is the, what is the baddest ass car that you want right now? Oh, uh, it's a 1999 McLaren. I like uh -huh. the McLarens too. Right? So it's, I believe it's an, um, not the, the new one is a, called a P1. Okay. But the, I think it's, it's called the F1. Uh -huh. And right now they go for like, they were, they were a million dollars in 99. Now they go for like 25 to 50 million, depending on the condition of Are the car. Are you kidding me? No. A McLaren is a 25 to $50 million car. And it costs a million dollars in 1999. It's three seats. You sit in the, you sit in the middle of yeah. the car. Yeah. And then you have two, two uh, passengers behind you. Okay. Yeah. How fast does it go? Um, naturally aspirated, 200 miles per hour. What's naturally aspirated mean? Means there's no turbos or superchargers. Okay. So it's in a naturally aspirated engine. So it just means gas to fuel injection to go. Yeah. So there's not like a turbocharger that's taking your exhaust fumes to speed it up and push it back in. So it's uh, like most of the Corvettes are naturally aspirated. Um, Ferrari 458 uh, is naturally aspirated. I think those are also going to be collectibles one day. 458, naturally aspirated. Then 488 is uh, a turboed version. And then now they're going to go to hybrids. So all those cars, I think, are going to be very collectible. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I did not know McLaren was... Like, I, I looked at buying McLarens. Um, and do you like to drive fast? All the time. Okay, yeah. What's the fastest you've ever driven? 167. 
Okay. You got, you got me beat. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, what, what kind of car was that in? Uh, my Model X Plaid. So a six-seater car. So Model X Tesla? Tesla, Model X Plaid. It's six people. Uh, it's an SUV. You didn't have the kids in the car, did you? No. <laughs> I just told my, I told my mom that the other day. I hit my Porsche and just at 135 just to kind of see what it got just real quick. I didn't push it any further than that. Yeah. And um, she's like, you have you have kids and a family. And I was like, yeah, I feel it's, pretty safe at 135. <laughs> yeah, the, the car is pretty safe. I mean, that car is a ridiculous vehicle. Um, zero to 60 in 2.5 seconds. Yeah. Zero to 100 is like thir- three seconds, 3.5 seconds. So it's super stable. Again, not advisable. So, um, but I would this love was to on hit the track, track. I'm assuming, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I would love to start like when I get some more free time. When I start building out my team better, I want to. So you love cars. I really love driving. I love cars. Yeah. 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 It's fun. So, what's your next favorite car? Uh, next to that, um, hmm. You know, I always had a dislike for Porsches. Yeah. I, did, I don't know I why. I will take that personally. I don't know why, but I, I did. <laughs> but, but the, um, the Porsche GT is such a nice car. Yeah. That it, it won me over. I was just like, I, I, you know, this is nice. Yeah. So that was, I was actually looking at one in 2000, 2020. It was one for sale for like a million dollars. And I was like, God damn, you're looking at expensive cars. <laughs> I have I have expensive taste. <laughs> Holy crap! For me, so when I was growing up, I, I my... wanted a GTR. Yeah. And I had 23 units, uh-huh. and I was I was gonna I was gonna actually had 20, I had 17 units, and I was gonna buy another six. And I was like, should I buy another six or should I buy the GTR? Yeah. And I ended up buying another six. And then the real estate market crashed in a way, and then I was like, I should have bought the GTR instead. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a better financial decision. Yeah. So that car came was when it came out it was 60 to 80 thousand. The car today is still like $60,000. Right. I don't seem to have that luck with cars. So, yeah, I mean, I buy the, uh, I got a Ford Raptor and I've got a Porsche Macan and then I Toyota. <laughs> you know, they're, it's enjoy yourself. You only live once. I, that's something I totally agree with. You only live once. So for guys who are trying to get started investing in real estate, you've been investing, how old are you right now? I'm 37. God, okay, you're so smart. So, so 37, and when you started at 23, did you say, or 19? No, at 23, I had 23 units. Oh, that's where I it started was. studying at 14, and I'd work for investors for free to like pick up the knowledge. This is before YouTube, right? And then at 19, I was able to do my first deal. At 16, I could have done my first deal, but my dad wouldn't co-sign. Yeah. So then I was 19. I had my tax returns in over order. You know, I had everything like you know, because you need two years of tax returns. Right. So 18, I had you know the bank. 19, I had two years of W-2s, so I was able to get the, the loan. So if someone's brand new and they're trying to get started and knowing all the lessons that you've learned through the process of how many units do you have right now? Like 145. So out of the 145 units, I'm sure you've bought and sold because you're a licensed agent as well, right? I'm not. Oh, you're not. Okay. I know. I, that's the one thing I, I really disliked. It was a turnoff to me. Yeah. To, I, be, the, to be an agent. Yeah. So no, it, uh, that's, but I, but I basically have every other license, mortgage, insurance, yeah, you got every other accounting, one. Okay. So I have I just, everything I else that except one in there that for one. You. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually working on a title company. So that is a big business. That's a big moneymaker right there. Yeah. Title companies, you need 12 deals to pay for all your overhead a year right no per month you know you can do no less than that 
Well, uh, the guys I talk to here locally to pay for like a full-time title person and full-time this person, like a title and a processor, it was like 12 deals a month would make you break even in terms of like just an average transaction. And then, you know, pay for... You know, they're probably thinking about because they have to pay overhead for an office. Yeah. I already own offices. Right. So that overhead for an office and internet and cable... And blah, 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 blah. I don't have any of those overheads. Yeah, I just it, need one person. And what does the title company even do? They just order payoffs. They order payoffs and they do background searches and such. And um, But well, other than that, they really don't do anything. They don't do anything. No, they don't really. It's the, it's the silent money that's passing across the table that everybody's like, oh, well, that's your escrow fee and that's your this fee and that's your this fee and that's your title. The yeah. title insurance is usually like 150 bucks. Yeah. So the benefit that I'm uh, providing to our clients is that we're going to have a lawyer in-house. Wow. The lawyer's going to be doing all the docs. So say you do a deal and the Doyle's already did the, the title work. So then by the time, say something comes up, the lawyer already knows your deal. So they can, they'll be, it'll be easier to get legal advice. So you've got uh, funding in-house, accounting in-house, title company, lawyer in-house. What else? So we, do, we have an accounting firm, taxes, bookkeeping, payroll, insurance agency, home, auto, GL, commercial. Is it a uh, broker? Or brokerage. So we work with awesome. multiple different people. Awesome. Um, then we have the mortgage company, brokerage as well. We broker our mortgage deals. Um, and sometimes I'm not the best option. So I'll go to a private bank or a local bank that can give us more creative options. So I don't, I don't have to use me, right? I'm happy with going to someone else that can provide the best. And to be honest with you, I'd rather not have all those companies. Right. But I kind of got into those businesses because I couldn't find someone to perform to the level that I was looking for. Right. So we did it in house because I'm like, how do I know more than my insurance agency? So which, which, agent, one, which, one do you, which one do you plan on get rid of? I really don't want the accounting firm is the most labor intensive. Right. Because you know, when you're hiring a professional accountant that knows what they're doing, almost everything that I'm charging goes to the staff. There's so little money left over. And then when we're doing strategy calls, like people are like, oh, well, how, is, how come it's $1,000 for the hour? I'm like, because I'm the only person that can actually structure your, your business in, in the right way that you're gonna get, be tax smart, and then be able to set it up so you're getting uh, enough income that's passive, so you can have passive real estate investments counteract the losses from the passive real estate, counteract the, the passive income while you're, while you're running an active business. Because there's certain ways you can structure that to, to work out that way. So would you say your business is more of a real estate investor with a couple side businesses? My, yeah, yeah, you hit it on the head. My main goal is to make my rental properties, my investment portfolio, the most profitable. And because I couldn't find other people to do the auxiliary things, we did it in-house and we taught our staff what we're looking for, what, what we want them to do. How many people are working for you right now? Direct staff are probably around 20 and oh. then um, um, subcontractors, probably like 50. Yeah, and you're talking like laborers and whatnot as well? Laborers and um, 1099s that are basically only working for us, but they're not our employees. Right, right. So where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? Like Troy Kearns, right? Oh, Owning whatever, dude. Skyscrapers in downtown, right? Dude, that that bill on the, <laughs> uh, the empty, the empty. You know what? You got to get it stabilized first. But no, that is. It was pretty cool, but it won't be cool until it's producing income. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you because people are like, yeah, so you're gonna celebrate. You're gonna pop bottles now that you bought that building. I was like, no. 
No, I still have to get, I have to stabilize it. I have to do the full gut reno. Then I have to rent it out. So I'll celebrate in two years when I do my cash out refi and it's stabilized and I got my money back. Yeah, that's funny. That's what I put on my time clock too. Two years to get it stabilized. And, uh, you know, hopefully it goes less than that. I don't, hopefully it doesn't go any more than that. But yeah, something like that. Those legacy plays where you do something, you know, you're like, oh, I started with this house in Renton, Washington, a condo in Renton, Washington, and now I'm buying this stuff. It's just, you know, progression, right? Yeah. You're not you're not doing the same thing that you were doing before. So, yeah, that's cool. I'd love to see you do something. And I'll be down there in, in Florida with you. Um, and so we'll be pretty close. I'll be uh, probably at that point in time having season tickets to the Miami Dolphins, I imagine. Is, is your team Tampa? Yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> what do you think about Brady? I think he's a good player. <laughs> what else is there to think about yeah, him, right? Yeah, no, but he retired. He did, I think, third time. Third time he retired. Is it the third retired. time? Yeah, like, he retired when he left New England. Okay. Then he came to Florida and said, we're going to do like one or two years. Then he retired again. Yeah. And then he stayed on for the third time, for the th- third year in Florida. And that was just basically, I think, the third time he Do you think retired. he's coming back? I, it's really hard when you are a top performer to stop performing in some aspect right when you're hustling your whole life and you're driven and you're focused the hard part i'll give you my example my coach is uh, a powerlifter right a powerlifting coach he's the world's best powerlifting coach he's been he's 65 years old almost 65 years old weighs 100 he weighed 154 pounds at the last competition total 1540 pounds natural bench squat deadlift like the dude is ridiculous so imagine you're 60, 64 years old. I'm sorry, 64 years old, weighed 154 pounds, and he deadlifted like 600. Wow. Right? Natural. What are your so, stats? Uh, I haven't PR'd in a while because I've been off season, but last Saturday I did 435 for eight on my deadlift, and I did 375 for eight on my squat. So I'm working on building up my core my eight to 10 range, yeah. and then I'm gonna start like loading up, but you don't really load up until you're in a competition. What, what is the benefit of powerlifting? It is mental health for me. Powerlifting gives you this, when you do a big deal, you're like, oh my God, this is a big deal. I'm stressed out, electric bills, $18,000 a month. Right. It's not stabilized. The city's giving me issues. Nobody's working on time. Right. This is driving me crazy. When you're gonna go and you're gonna you know, squat 375 pounds and you need to do eight reps. Right. And you're like, damn, that's a lot. Yeah, I don't is. wanna do it. Yeah. I don't have to do it. Yeah. What's another deal? Yeah. What's another rep? Yeah. Why am I even doing this to myself? Right. Like you have, your body is fighting against you. Right. Your mind is gonna be like, why you gotta do more work? Right. So when you can go and you can push yourself to accomplish a physical goal right it becomes so much easier for you to accomplish a psychologically difficult goal it's so much easier that you can accomplish and in, in overpass it an emotional emotionally difficult goal right than financially difficult that's goal. that's good advice i like that i uh never thought about it like that but uh, yeah, so you got your mind on that and you're realizing that you're just kind of callousing your mind as David Goggins would say, right? You're getting into that whole zone. Well, that's cool, man. Well, I appreciate you coming out here. I appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate you sharing like all your words of wisdom. I appreciate you, uh, your friendship and the fact that you've been so generous. The first time I met you, I think you bought like lunch for the entire table in Dallas, Texas. I remember that. And then 
you've been generous with your time out here and you've been generous on the podcast. I just want to say thank you for everything. And uh, if there's any other things, first of all, if people can want to follow your journey, how do they do that? Um, I'm on YouTube at Pascal Corcus. I'm on Instagram at Pascal Corcus. That's, you know, my website's PascalCorcus.com. There's not too many people with that name. You know, yeah, it was like, there was, I had to fight for the website. So, (laughs) you know. Also, I also have one Instagram account. So if you see a lot of people copying me, there's only one. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right now they're going to have a, now they get the blue, the blue check mark without having to pay, like rig the system. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to pay 10 grand for it anymore. Now it's like $8 a month. Thank God. All right, man. Appreciate you coming on the show. We'll check out in the next one. Peace. Are you interested in investing in real estate, but you don't feel like you got the time to take a coaching program? I get it, right? You're busy, you're making money and that's okay, but you want to invest with me because you're like, Troy, I like what you do. I see what you're doing. You're a real deal. Yes, I am. I'm an average Joe. I worked at Burger King. I worked at Red Robin. I started investing in real estate and I started from absolutely nothing. And I will take you along with my journey and you can get all the benefits, but you got to be an accredited investor. If you want to invest with me and you want to be a part of something great and you don't have the time, guess what? We're launching a fund that you can be a part of, but you got to be an accredited investor. And if you want to find out more about what that looks like, all you got to do is click the link and we'll show you exactly what that looks like. And guess what? If you're not an accredited investor, then you may down the road be a credit investor. So definitely learn what that's all about and we'll see you on the next one.